predict pitchers who will step up their game in 2022? Okay. It's time for dingers. This is dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It is just Rob Manfred that wins pieces of metal. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Joined, as always, by Robbie Baseball from the Murder Room. What's happening, Robbie? Nothing. I uh, mustache you a question, Ty. I uh, shaved the beard last night. And uh, came down with just this little mustache for everybody that sees on live feed. If not, maybe I'll just screenshot screenshot myself because I'm beautiful uh, and put it on Twitter where you can find us at Dingers Pod, me at Robbie Baseball One or Ty Attorney Boss. Um, but I, I must must ask you a question: Is this not like the coolest thing ever? I mean, I think we have very different definitions of cool. Oh, but I'm trying to look like a relief pitcher. That could now be picked up by the MLB teams because there won't be any players. Yeah, I mean, listen, the the scrubs. It, what do we call? It? What do I get? The scabs. I'll be playing the scabs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every bullpen needs somebody to to get the balls that are in the outfield. Um, I would totally and, and do that. Carry them to the <laughs> to the mound for BP, but I won't be uh, able to throw them because my arm hurts. <laughs> I, I'll I'll say this: like, if you're really gonna lean into the mustache, though, like you can't limp in. We, yeah, we need to get we need to, to get curl. rid of the rest of it here. Like there's too oh, much no, facial no, no. hair. Yeah, no, we need you. It needs to be mustache island. Um, well, I, I have a, a few scars on my chinny chin chin from having it split open um, as a hockey player. And yeah. but if you want to um, be a like, it's just hard to shave. But if you need it to be a scab, that's the that's what you're gonna have to navigate. I've got scabs all over my body. <laughs> Wait, oh, that's off topic. Anyway, uh, that's enough of the lockout stuff because that's that's very depressing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I would love to do because we're even pre-topic, pre-everything, Ty. I'm just I'm so thirsty. I'm so... A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Okay, so that was was important. That one still had uh, carbonation in it. That one I knew would. Uh, obviously I'm crown floating again tonight, but the, the cider, which I said I needed to mention was queen street or tonight is queen street cider from uh brickwork, excuse me, in good old downtown Toronto. Um, problem is Ty, this thing is beat to hell. Uh, it's old. What's the old line from uh big daddy with Adam Sandler. Microsoft is down 25% smash. Oh, for, 
So there's a couple people out there somewhere that'll get that joke. But... Yeah, I hope so. I like <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Big Daddy, of course. But anyway, I'm just hoping that this isn't skunk. It smells fine. And I'm trusting that cider That's it live on air. Let's go. Yeah, cider just turns into I, I'm guessing mead, which is still oh, you know something or you can drink. Juice. That's exactly what this smells like. Oh yeah, we're good. We're good to go. All right, so, Crown Frody. On, Crown on the other Frody. hand, I'm over here tonight. Basil Hayden. Very nice. Um, but let's get it, let's get into it. Like last week, we covered uh, hitters that are likely to overachieve. Uh, this is kind of one of our our fun things that we like to do. Rob is, you know, I think we do a pretty good job on breakout guys. I think that's one of our specialties. Um, between guys that nobody likes uh, falling back to us and guys that nobody have heard of coming into the woodwork. Um, we like that. So these are fun episodes for us because we get to dive into some of the things that we see and we get to dive into the fact that almost across the board, you and I disagree on each other's breakouts, which is great. Um, and, and I think pitching, especially Rob, you and I have two very different philosophies on pitching. So this is always an interesting debate when we get into this one. So, uh, tonight we're going to walk you through kind of three layers on the starting pitching side, guys that are well outside of, uh, the top 20 that could potentially break into the top 20 starting pitchers, um, under the context of roughly points, but also considering some other factors as well. Um, the next group, uh, again, guys that are, are currently sitting outside and in moving into that SP two SP three category. Uh, and then finally, guys that are way off the board that might slide into that SP4, SP5 category. So we wanted to break it down that way just to kind of talk about guys that are either uh, being drafted late or being ignored or for some re other reason just not getting the attention they deserve. And then we're going to go into uh, a series of relief pitchers that have the ability to have big seasons here. So, Robbie, without further ado, I think it's appropriate that we start in the ace category because I think there's less – surprise with some of these guys um most people are going to be well aware of, of the two guys that we have in this category um but i think they they have a huge amount of upside and and let's get going i'll, I'll pass it to you for the first one this evening yeah i like i knew off the bat you would not like my choice here so this is my potential outside but about to be inside the top 20 starting pitcher and that's alex wood with san francisco 31 year old lefty in my dynasty ranks, he's way back. He's 95. He's got a two-year deal with the Giants after having a perfectly fine 2021. And what he did in 2021 was 391 total points. Again, we're trying to do points because um, people ask. People want to know a little bit more about points leagues. We already know strikeouts, ERAs, all those fun things. But um, in 26 starts last year, he averaged 15.04 points per start. Um, he's the best pitcher in major league baseball. Just ask him actually that that's the only way you'll get that answer is if you ask Alex Wood, because he is stacked with confidence in his, I think it was 18, uh, all-star season with the Dodgers. My God, he was just the cockiest guy. And then I think he went to the reds after that. And then uh, I don't remember exactly what 2020 brought for him, but last year was, uh, back or not back, but out West again. Um, and he regained his footing with San Francisco and it looks good for him. So they brought him back and healthy. He is, he is legitimately very good. And the fact that he's coming back to the same environment, he's comfortable where he is. He's not, you know, a kid in the twenties anymore, trying to out pitch batters. He's throwing the ball. Well, I think he's going to be able to build on his success last year. So 
I am predicting a five plus point per game jump. So from 15 points per start, I think he is going to be somewhere up over 20. And in this group to be a top 20 guy, your average is somewhere around 21 points per, per start. Last year, DeGrom had the highest points per start average at 28.6. We know that wasn't a full season. Um, Sandy Alcantara with Miami was 20th. He had 18.42 points per start. And as an Alcantara, uh, a guy who rosters Alcantara in several leagues, especially points leagues, I have slowly been seeing him increase and it's just getting better and better. Uh, I think Alex Wood is is about to make a similar type jump, although you know we're talking about a lefty and a righty with different approaches. So Ty, if you want to object, object. If not, we can go to your guy. Yeah, I mean, for me, there's like there's always going to be an objection here with Alex Wood. I mean, he's not necessarily bad. I'm I'm not willing to put him into the upper echelon for two real reasons. Um, there's an injury risk here. I mean, he's never pitched above uh, 200 innings ever, uh, and he hasn't pitched above 152 innings um, since 2015. So, as as a top 20 guy, that to me is the hurdle, right? Like I. I above all else like there's other things i'm concerned with but the reality of the innings required to be a top 20 starting pitcher that concerns me a great deal um and so so that's the big reason for me but okay. you know that's fair again like we're always yeah we're always going to be off a little bit but that one is concerning for me i i will say to that point um i absolutely feel that i'm i'm of the perception that because he had a 2021 and is returning to the same situation in 2022, the expectation will basically just be that he picks up where he left off. And my hope is of course that he's going to get it. But I think points per start is really what I focused on here. And I think that's where he, his ability to start and be good is what I'm, I'm predicting. He is the 66th. Very, I checked very quickly. 66th ranked starter coming off the board in redraft. I know we're talking dynasty but we're also talking what we expect for next year i i'm fairly confident he's going to beat half the half the guys on this list that are above him um yeah. also i mean i like him reason, a lot more go ahead no just Corey canable is ahead of him and we talk about health concerns and other things Corey canable got through 2021 uh with the dodgers and and then goes to philly and i remember the Flyers always having issues with goaltenders for years and years and years. And it's like every year they'd get a goalie and you're like, finally, that's the goalie. It's going to do it. And then, you know, he sucks down the stretch. Philly seems to be the same way with closers. Uh, they just can't keep one. And then last year when it looked like they might have one Ranger Suarez, they just made him a starter and he was elite rest of season. So Corey Canable yeah. getting that hype right now. Uh, Woods average draft position amongst all the, you know, fan tracks, NFBC, Yahoo, CBS. Um, it is 233rd off the board. And uh, I love that for me in redraft because I have no issue picking him up. If it's a 15 team league, once you hit round 10, you've finished 150 picks. I would have no problem picking him up in round 13 before anybody's really starting to think about him. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, listen, like I like him just a bit more in uh, MLB the show where injuries are less. Oh, likely. good, good. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think they really less day, likely. I mean, it depends on how, how, Pissed off your AI is, I guess. I, I really yeah, that's know. what I was wondering. Like, it, are injuries not a major factor, or is it super? Not online in a video. Not game? when you play okay. online. Just when you play inside of seasons and other formats. But um, you know, I, I don't necessarily hate the risk here because I mean, I think the upside is there. To to your points, but 
I need I need to have a stable set of arms in place for me to even think about Alex Wood. That's just the way I feel there. Um, on the flip side of that, I my guy here uh, is the Young Buck 24, Alec Manoa. I mean, if you've listened to us, you know how high I am on this guy. Uh, I'm I'm above most here. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of people that see him as a top 20 starting pitcher yet, um, but I feel very strongly that he's going to get there. Um, his Fantrax ADP is 79. He's more of an 87 across the rest of the board. Uh, but at the end of the day, strikeouts are there. The changeup's good, but it needs a little bit of work. And and to me, that's what I think we're going to see this season is I think we're going to see the third pitch because the fastball and slider are elite. Um, and if you add a good changeup into that mix uh, with good, you know, location on the fastball, which he's shown signs of, um, the only thing people are down on Manoa about is he likes to fly open a little bit every now and then. Uh, and, and he drilled some guys in the head last year. Uh, who doesn't like to leave their fly open? Am I right? Everybody. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really high on the strikeouts. I think this is a big, huge frame, good mechanics. I, I'm a big fan um, of what we're going to see here. Pete Walker has gotten enough press, but I think he's really good for Alec Manoa. And the thing that I like, again, this is a little biased because I see it every day and and maybe other people don't. If you watch the broadcast with the visual um, and you can see them showing the bench, Alec Manoa in every shot that you see him is looking out onto the field and learning from one of these teammates, whether it's a veteran or something else. Like those are the little things that make a really big difference for young players. And these are the things that, you know, professional scouts see in college games and on the backfields and all the other stuff in between. Like this is what makes a great pro. And it's why Alec Manoa has shown early, early days return for the blue Jays. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Now I, I very quickly tie on our um, doc. I, I threw up the uh, fantasy pros line for both the pitchers. So uh, whereas Alex Wood is 66th, the average 66 pitcher off the board, Manoa, a lot of people are thinking like you Ty. he's, he's averaging 26 off the board. And where the average draft position for Wood is 233, Alec Manoa way earlier, 86, 86.6. So, um, I mean, obvious, obvious upside we know with Manoa and it's, it's going to be a big push for him to repeat what he did in 2021 and also improve slightly upon it. But I mean, big game players, which Alec Manoa really appears to be, uh, can make that pitch. So, or sorry, can make, can make that switch. Uh, the next group here, we're, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, there there might be an opportunity early season here um, as he cleans up mechanics for him to have a rough start. So if you're going to try to buy Manoa, I think the hype is too high to what Rob just covered to do it now. If you're not drafting and you don't have the opportunity to draft him and you're buying, I would wait till about the end of whatever the first month of the season is um, and, and look at, at buying in that window. I think that's just realistic. And I just happened to find it because it's part of the next tier. Uh, Alec Manoa averaged 18.2 starts last year in 20 starts. So uh, Ty's prediction. Yeah, sorry, what did I? You just said 18.2 starts per start. (laughs) Nailed it. And I have barely started drinking. Barely. (laughs) Long day at work, barely started drinking. Um, But yeah, so he, he did that. And Ty's predicting that there should be a jump of a few points right there. So in the next tier, these are the guys who... Um, we think can be ranked somewhere between the 21st and the 50th 
best starting pitcher for next year. Now, last year, just to give you the the um, peaks and valleys here, the total peak for total, sorry, for points was 511. That was Nathan Evaldi, who had a full season, 32 starts. The bottom, the number 50 guy, believe it or not, was Trevor freaking Bauer, and he had 396 points uh, in only 17 starts. So obviously, the points per start were really high for Bauer, um, but the eventual season, of course, was cut short for him. So, and then when you get into points per start, like I just said, Alec Manoa had 18.2 at the 21st spot. And when you drop down to number 50, German Marquez with Colorado, who we know major obstacle to cover just being in Colorado, but he was at 14.94. So we start to see a bit of a gap um, or sorry, we, we see the gap actually sl- uh, close in a little bit from the top guys. So I'm picking here, Ty, Rosny Contreras with Pittsburgh. It sounds a little odd. I know we got a bit of time last year, but again, it was a bit of time. Um, he's 22, a righty. He's got four pitches, fastball curve, changeup and slider. In my dynasty ranks, he's 78th. And the more I keep thinking about it, I talk myself into this happening. And it's that he doesn't start the year, which I, I mean, again, we were thinking it was starting a month from now at the early part of April, end of March. Um, he He arrives or returns to the Pirates rotation in May. That was my assumption. Um, he gets 20 starts rest of the season. So very similar to Manoa. That's kind of my my thought here. And he's just running the table. Pittsburgh has pieces, but they're, they're not a team that's really ready to put together 75 wins. Um, maybe he can fluke into some wins. You know, peak would be 10, something like that. Uh, but he can certainly avoid losing, which we know a good pitcher can, right? They can... They certainly can't score score the runs to do it, but they can help to keep them off the board. Uh, weak contact is a big thing for him. So in redraft, I'm circling him as an early pick if if spring training takes off and we start to see that maybe he's going to be SP5, something like that. Um, but, I mean, otherwise, as soon as AAA season fires up and he's there in the roster and he's doing well, I will look to add him in money leagues that's redraft. I will look to add him in dynasty leagues um, where... Like you have control of players for a long time because after watching what happened last year with the Detroit and the Kansas city pitching prospects get roasted, I think people have some apprehension about seeing this happen all over again to the next year's crew, but his curve and fastball are 60 grade. And if moving forward in dynasty, Henry Davis, the new catcher in Pittsburgh can call a good game come whenever in 2023, they might be a great duo for years to come. But in the meantime, there's a veteran in Roberto Perez who's going to be in Pittsburgh, which is an important factor here um, because Rosny Contreras will be really good if he can maintain that 57% ground ball rate. And if he's not able to do that, the innings are going to get longer. Uh, There's going to be hard contact, not weak, and that's going to screw him up. I think he can maintain that, have quick innings, weak contact, uh, you know, ground ball outs, things like that that help pitchers and points leagues specifically but Roto, you know, innings, all those things are going to count. It's all going to add up a big 2022 here for Rosny Contreras with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with it. The only apprehension I have is playing time, like whether Pittsburgh starts the clock. Like, I think that's really the thing that I'm most concerned. I like Contreras as same as you do. It just, for me, playing time is is the the linchpin. Um, if he's playing, I, I love him as a pick here. Um, it's just that's the one thing to be cautious of, I think. Um, Next, for me, I'm going to dump into a guy that has a similar amount of risk uh, coming back from an injury this season and has a has enough upside. I, I will say this. He's not going to give you a great deal of points upside, right? I think that's the one format 
I don't like this guy in, and that's Dakota Hudson coming back with St. Louis. I like him for a reasonable ERA. I like him for wins. Uh, I think Whip should be right there. He's a big-time ground ball guy, uh, very similar to Alex Wood, just with a little less strikeout stuff. Um, and, and his ADP's, you know, 359. That is a, a huge opportunity to buy a potential SP3 really, really late in your in your draft or uh, trading in your offseason. Uh, he's on a good team in St. Louis with a very reasonable defense behind him. So that bodes well. The defense is better now than it was when he was healthy. So I think that should help dip his ER even lower. That outfield is really good defensively. The infield's very good. Uh, so I think there's a lot of reason to buy into to go to Hudson this offseason. Like I said, you're going to get a discount because anybody that owns them probably wouldn't care to get rid of them. Um, and anybody that is drafting isn't really going to jump all over them too, too early unless they they love um, good sleepers like we do here. So just 27, this was a former top prospect for St. Louis. So the pedigree is there. Uh, lots to like uh, on this one, Robbie. Yeah, I, you know what? I am trying to find him right now on Fantasy Pros just to give uh, everybody a little heads up here. And I can't find him inside the top 100. So before he's, I moved on. Well, he's 113 off the board. Okay. Yeah, there, thank you. overall. Okay, yeah, and I I just thought I'm gonna I'm gonna check the top 100 again because like for dynasty control purposes, F, bro, control F. Oh, you you and your technologies. Um. <laughs> anyway, so I I again I'm gonna have to dig back further to find Rosie Contreras because again, he is not at all thought of as somebody to be drafting. He's somebody to be picking up in He's season. One thirty seven starting oh, on the geez. pitchers starting pitcher side four fifty three overall. 137 you don't say so that that's perfect and that puts him in company with other prospects who may or may not get time this year like yep. uh nick lidodo so fun well, stuff there with, and, with and Cincinnati. your your uh guy that you're about to mention is 130 just so you know look at, look at you go thank you I'm so the guy over. i'm about to mention let's just tell everybody luis garcia no not those other three you're thinking of um <laughs> not the not the shortstop second baseman who who might actually have playing time concerns with Washington, uh, not the relief pitcher with Philly, or sorry, the prospect with Philly, who he might also be a relief pitcher with Philly. Different guy. There's there's a relief pitcher, Luis Garcia. I'm talking about you're the really, starting pitcher. You're really clearing this up for everyone. Yeah. I, I, well, it's because if you go to look him up, there's a bunch that pop up, right? So Luis Garcia, Houston, 25-year-old righty. Five, count them, everybody. Five pitches, fastball, curve, slider, changeup, and a cutter. Um, in Dynasty, he's my 67th ranked starting pitcher last year. He averaged 14.6 points per start. Um, already good, right? But I expect him to clean it up a little bit. I'm expecting a little bit better than what he was. And here's why. 155 in a third innings. He had 167 strikeouts. He had 11 wins and a 348 ERA and a 1.18 whip. Okay. The last two were career highs. A 348 ERA and a 1.18 whip are career highs. So Garcia hit the second half of 2022 K rate did not drop off as much or sorry it, this year when he hits the second half of 2022, it will not drop off as much as it did in 2021, nor will the hitters average climb 50 points as it did last year, which also bumped his ERA up in the second half last year. He's not a big ground ball pitcher. So if Correa leaves town, that's not going to crush him depending on who goes in to shortstop. I think he's a safe bet to be good and he's my bet 
to be better and good enough to hop into that top 50. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm just going through uh, the visuals here for Garcia in the background. I, I'll say this, like the numbers are good. The indicators are good. I, the eye test for me, and, and I'll just, it's the slider. The eye test for me um, is the fastball. I like the changeup, actually. Um, the fastball slider, I, I'm, I'll, I'll just say this. I have concerns if he throws them in the zone. Uh, but if he locates, like if he locates the slider the way he did a lot of times last year, it's a near unhittable pitch. Um, but what he's going to have to do, a very a la like a Blake Snell, he's going to have to start pinpointing that fastball away, right? Like Garrett Cole is the best in baseball at the fastball low and away to the righty. He's going to have to do that to stay effective or guys are just simply going to lay off that pitch, right? So that's the one thing. I'm going to look forward with him moving forward because to your point, there's five pitches. Like he can right. be very, very, very effective. But if he doesn't start to locate that outside corner with the fastball, that is going to be an issue for him because the other off-speed pitches are going to be ineffective. And, and I just don't know that the slider's good enough to miss that spot, right? That's what I'm trying to get at. Whereas like Garrett Cole, his slider's devastating. Like even if he misses it, as long as he's got a good break point on it, um, he's, he's going to get a lot of people out, right? So, um, multiple pitches gives him a significant edge, uh, which is really, really important. The guy that I'm going to cover here also a Luis, uh, but doesn't have the same a, pitch repertoire. Not a Garcia. Is that, he is not a Garcia. I mean, well, could be formally might've changed his name due to the log jam of Luis Garcia's. Uh, but... <laughs> It'd be great if that actually was his last name. He just, he just goes by his first and middle. No, this is Luis Patino. Uh, this is a guy that I I just think has uh, underappreciated written all over him. 100th off the board, starting pitcher-wise, 353 overall. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, was highly touted in in San Diego. Rob and I have nicknamed him the Thundering Oak for That's absolutely right. no reason, but a phenomenal nickname regardless. Well, I think he did something on the Players Weekend, didn't he? Was Wasn't he there a reason? Oak? No, no, he I, wasn't like thundering. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Sorry. Yeah. Regardless, Getting us off topic. regardless, we, we like to make stuff up around here. Um, and that was somehow what we came up with uh, for Luis Patino. But that said, there's room for improvement here with Patino. And that's why I'm buying because, you know, this is one of those guys that had elite prospect written all over him, ace, and he disappointed a lot of people. But a lot of people forgot that he was 20 when he disappointed them. And so Luis Patino is just 22 and he has half a season under his belt at this point. So as a starting pitcher, that's pretty good. There's very few starting pitchers that are going to light the world on fire before that age. Uh, and, and he's got a good start. So uh, he, he's the 80, I, I put, made this in my note because I think it's funny. He's in the 86th percentile fastball spin rate. So naturally that makes him elite, Boom. right? Isn't that the way that works? Automatically I, I good so. at baseball. Um, it just depends on what type of information our listeners are taking in. And if they're also listening to podcasts that specifically talk about spin rates, um, they're going to love that. So uh, the, the thing I looked at just a little deeper, Robbie, uh, you know, 77 innings last year. So, Again, they're building Patino up. Uh, the ERA was reasonable for a 21-year-old, uh, 4-3-1. But at home, it was a 3-1-4, right? So 
the friendly confines of Tropicana Field. I was going to say, no <laughs> fans to, uh, to disappoint there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, see, you know what? If, if his numbers in 2020 were elite, I would agree. But, um, you know, 2020 with no fans and playing in Tampa Bay are basically the same thing. Uh, so I don't know that's Ouch. a reasonable expectation. But uh, this is a guy that there's room for improvement. There's no questions about it. Uh, he has to make some steps forward on some of the peripheral pitches. But but that's it. I mean, it's it's going to happen. He's going to get better. And people that don't buy him now will regret. Like, this is, this is another version of Julio Urias, Robbie. Like, this is what we're dealing with. A guy that was supposed to be great, took a little bit longer than expected. Um, he's ahead of the curve, in my opinion, versus a Julio Urias. Uh, I just, I like it. I think Tampa Bay is the perfect landing spot for a pitcher that needs to polish up some pitches. They're not going to overwork him. He's going to get all the grooming he needs. This is an ace in the making, but he's two years, three years away from that. He's not going to light the world on fire, but I love him as an SP4 this season. I think that's a very realistic expectation um, with SP3 upside if if everything goes perfectly. Fair. Yeah, I, I got nothing to say negatively about a pitcher who I also think can provide you with more upside. Uh, it's simply a matter of what other people in your league well, feel of him too right and and there's lots to like and, and other people might mention him but like this is a guy uh that i think with any sense of trouble this year everyone that owns patino will look to get out so if you don't own patino like just look for a couple bad starts and start offering trades that's what you want to do here uh go in and go get him or you can be like um was it andy andy is it cody who's in uh, the dynasty league the 30 team eight by eight category dynasty league who just sends blind offer after blind offer. And he only does it when it is your um, top prospect pitcher. And then uh, your, your next, like you're on the cusp secondary guy. And then he's offering you. So, but that's like five, six years of control. And he's offering you a legit starting pitcher with three years left. He's like, so give me these 12 years of control. Take these three right now, and please don't look to see that I have zero um, prospects in my minors. Because <laughs> that's all that he does. Is he just wipes it out to get a competitive team as the season moves on. And then his plan is to reset in the offseason. That's what you use your draft for, right? Um, and so I appreciate that, but I also laugh at it. I'm like, why would I bend over right now to you know bend over backwards to take a trade that gets me experience when we don't even know what the heck's going on in MLB? And even when you try to explain it to trade crazy dudes, it doesn't work, but in redrafts where you don't have to worry about this, that's a great avenue to go to. So um, Patino on the rise, the next group up, the guys in the 50 to 75 finish range. Again, we are now, you know, looking at things a little differently here, right? We're looking at guys who have to make improvements, guys who just need opportunity. So um, first guy up for me is Jesus Lazardo with Miami. Ty, if you can let me know his redraft status here, I will just tell everybody he's a 22-year-old lefty with three pitches, fastball, a plus slider, and a changeup. He's on his second team. He was traded last year from Oakland to Miami, started the rest of the year. Uh, Dynasty, I've got him ranked 62nd. Uh, the Jesus Lizard is 77th off the board as a starting pitcher, 263 overall. All right, so people are thinking he won't be able to finish where we think he will be absolutely inside, or I think he will be. Um, for me, this is a bit of a gut thing. Appreciating what Sandy Alcantara has become. Uh, it's also it's also a part of it for me. So thanks for that trade out of Oakland. And um, 
he had last year 254 points, but his points per game because he started and also had relief was 6.36. Uh, so 95 and a third innings total. He had six wins, 98 Ks, a 6.61 ERA, and a 1.1 or sorry, a 1.61 WHIP. Yikes! Um, he he is better, and <laughs> uh, he's better than that line for sure. He does have that plus slider as I mentioned. He needs this new catcher that he's got, Jacob Stallings, who came over from Pittsburgh, to get him throwing that in 0-1 counts and 1-1 counts to try to get some weak contact to try to get some quick outs. The reason that I'm saying that and involving the catcher again on a, on a second pitcher here is that it's a really important factor in growth. You need somebody who's going to come in who you can just trust. Uh, I remember, I think it was Greg Zahn before he was canceled, who was talking on uh, Blue Jays about how you would get some pitchers who would say, um, go ahead, tell me what to do. I'm going to, I'm going to take it. And then you would get other pitchers who would be waving everything off. And I know Mark Burley had a history of just throwing whatever the catcher said and very seldomly ever waving it off. And Mark Burley had a great career. So you can look at some of the guys that caught him. Um, Lizardo's going to need one of those kind of trust your catcher years. And that catcher is going to need to be good at their job. So um, he had a sub 40 ground ball rate in 2021. And that was 15 points off his career norm. So he is a ground ball pitcher by trade. But last year, something got a little wonky with him. I don't know if it was pitching up in the zone and it doesn't suit him. There was a lot of... Um, a lot of contact there, balls out of the park, but he's an absolute late round flyer for me in 2022. And I can certainly see him developing into a top 50 guy a year from now when we have this conversation again, headed into 2023. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I like him a lot more in 23 and beyond than I do for 22. Like I love Lazardo. I'm excited to see what 22 brings. Cause I just don't know. Like, I, I think that's the scary part of Lazardo is that he could be ace or it could be dumpster fire. But regardless, yeah. I think he exits 2022 as a prominent starting pitcher. Like that, I, I'm comfortable saying. Um, and just what we're going to get full season, nobody knows. That's the I risk. got a comp. I got a sure. comparable situation for you, Ty. It is the, we are either going to see the 2017 Lucas Giolito or the 2018 Lucas Giolito. And That's I believe that is example. correct. That 2017 yep. was full season in Chicago. It was terrible. And 2018 was full season in Chicago. And he was great. I think that is correct that I have 18 as his breakout year. If not, yep. it was 18 and 19. But if you're if you're curious at anybody out there, just you know, check out Giolito. Um, he got a full season on a bad White Sox team. Now I think Miami's gonna be better. Uh mm -hmm. Jeter leaving because Jeter's a joke. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh <laughs> Jeter Careful. leaving. Careful. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, well, I really <laughs> did that for Heinze in the home league because uh yeah, anyway, I put that in I put that in the little group chat before we started recording. But um I think Miami's gonna be good. And the fact that they're going off and getting some of these veteran guys tells me they want to be good. So Lazardos should be able to just be SP5 all season long. They'll just they'll deal with it. And hopefully it's like positive SP5 and not, oh, no, he's up again. You know, defense, get ready. Um, and, and that's what I'm going with here, Ty. So who do you have that is in this, you know, top 50 to 75 conversation for us that isn't for others? Yeah, I mean, for me, one of my favorite guys this whole offseason is Christian Javier in Houston. This is a guy that's for sure going to be a starting pitcher this year. And no one's going to see him like that until after the season starts. That's the reality because he he was a reliever for most of last season. But if you don't <clears throat> look a little closer, you might believe that that's what he's going to be uh, for the remainder. In the postseason, 
he had a long stretch of uh, multiple inning appearances. He had finished September with uh, what do we got? How many is that? One, two, three, seven. So six out of his last seven appearances were more than one inning uh, last season. So they clearly had a plan to stretch out his inning count, but also limit his innings last year. Um, the stuff's very, very good here for uh, Christian Javier. I mean, this is a guy with a an 11.5 strikeout per nine, a career ERA of 3.53 in 155 innings pitched. So this is a 24-year-old that I don't think is getting the appropriate amount of hype that I think we all need to draw a little bit more attention to. He has not broken out. This is the season. This is one of my favorite to break out this season. Um, if not my absolute favorite, like I love Alec Manoa to have a, have a good season. I think I'm more confident in Christian Javier having a great season than I am Alec Manoa. And that's saying a lot because I really like Alec Manoa. Yeah. Well, that is a stamp of approval there. So Christian Javier, as you said, Ty, um, part of Houston's game plan moving forward. And, uh, that's great for redraft because it hides his potential because the numbers aren't shiny. Even when guys do the deep dives, uh, they have to look at the fact that uh, he started and then was no longer doing that for a team that ended up in the playoffs. So well, what was what was really going on there? But like you said, it's it's building them out. And I mean, the reality is here, this is a buy, like a hard, hard, hard buy now, because if you wait till the in, in season or, or a couple months into the season, people are going to start waking up. So if you're buying Christian Javier, if you need a starting pitcher, now is the time and there'll be some savvy owners that recognize what we're talking about but i think the gross majority are gonna be like oh that's a reliever and you want to pay me you know a reasonable return i'll take that right so don't miss that opportunity to buy a reliever instead of a starter okay well here's somebody who i've been told has reliever risk and i don't believe them ty um because i think we are ready for breakout 2022 in chris bubik Kansas City Royal, 24-year-old lefty. He's got three pitches, fastball, curve, and a changeup. And I've got him inside my top 50 dynasty ranking. So I'm mm-hmm. expecting big things consistently, not just you know a one- or two-year blip here. Um, and Ty, I'm about to say this. I think the first time on the podcast, his CSW was 26.9%. That's right, everybody. Robbie is breaking out the combination of called and swinging. So- strike i'm really concerned about your health because today you've you've mentioned a scouting grade and a csw <laughs> so, <laughs> i would like to say that i i do my very best on the podcast to not go down the route of the advanced stats we've we've gone on you know got on the horse or the you know um milk crate or whatever people get on uh when they want to say their thing and the i try my crate. what is it you get on you're so boxed. You're so yeah. boxed. <laughs> <laughs> I sit on milk crates sometimes when I have a break. Yeah, um, just p- p- packing darts behind the kitchen. <laughs> I don't smoke. Um, I don't smoke or vape. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so <clears throat> milk milk crate, no soapbox. Yeah. So anybody that works in a restaurant got that joke though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and no one that I know or that I work with listens to this podcast. And if they did it wouldn't be this far into it. So thank you for anybody else. Um, but the reason that I don't like to talk about this stuff is it's, it is part of my research. I do look into these things because there's some validity to it some of the time, but typically 
I don't want to listen to a podcast that's going to tell me everything that is not related to fantasy success. I want someone to say, you know what? I think he's going to be able to get um, north of 370 points this year. And I think if he starts a full season, he's going to have more than 14 points per start. And that's what we're talking about in this range of 50 to 75. The average that we're expecting is somewhere north of 14 points per start. We think that the average in this range from last year was 367. So we think that that's where these guys are going to be. We don't think they're going to be 75 or 51. We think they're going to be in that range, which means they're going to be somewhere around 14 points per game and somewhere north or in in the, the range of 360 points for their season. That's important. But I'm just giving the information here as to why I get to that. Because if you just look on the surface, you're like, no, no, no. Bubik is not going to be able to do it. However, he had a swinging strike rate as high, as, sorry, a uh, combination of called and swinging strike rates right in the same territory as Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray. And Robbie Ray gets a ton of Ks. The issue is that Bubik gave up a ton of contact and he does not throw 95. So he's got to be deceptive in his delivery. And, you know, his issue might be solved just by throwing more first pitch strikes. It could be something as easy as that, right? When you're pitching ahead, you can then start to uh, make the batter guess a little bit more or be a little more desperate or choke up whatever the situation is. Um, his K percentage tie in 2019, just two years ago, was 41%. And everybody went crazy. Ah! Um, last year it was just over 20%. So his projections have him not even having 150 innings pitch that year or, or this coming year. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that when you don't think a guy's going to be good, you're not going to give him 5.1 innings. You're going to give him 4.2. And then you're going to hit that, you know, 26 times for however many starts you think he's going to get. But I think that we've got 150 inning plus guy here. Now, if he's getting blown up every fifth start and he's only getting two innings, then yeah, there's a problem. If he can't get into the third or sort of get into the order for the third time, then we've got a very serious problem, but that's where, you know, Salvi Salvador Perez's catcher needs to help him have quick outs early in the game and needs to be able to help him get back to those minor league glory hype days, but do it on the major league level. And he's young enough. Now we're not doing this with a 26 year old pitcher who's had injury issues. We're doing it with a 26 year old lefty who automatically is harder to hit for righties because he's just coming at you from the other side. Um, I don't know what the best pitch mix is going to be for him. That's up to Salvador Perez. And hopefully he's not trying to hit 48 home runs again. Hopefully Salvi is trying to make his pitching staff great because last year, while Salvi was successful, that pitching staff staff suffered. So I just did a couple quick look at the um, scenarios for Bubik. Cause I was curious on yep. a couple things that you had said. Um, he faced uh, 12 three and O counts last season. How many do you think resulted in a hit? Oh, that's, I'm going to guess that's four. I don't know. Four. I hope, I hope it's 11. It's zero. <laughs> okay. Wow. But do you want to know how many he walked in 12? Oh, that's with a three and O count. Okay. So that's, you tricked me. You should have <laughs> OBP'd me. You should OBP'd me. But you hit, uh, I don't know, 11 is what I originally thought. So I was kind yeah, of walked. 12, all 12. Okay, so he blew it. Which is actually kind of hard to do, frankly, right? Because right. that means you're not even trying to get the guy out. Um, but yeah. what is really interesting about Bubik, and this is something that, that actually cued me to look this up, because you said something about pitching ahead early in the in your rant there. Mm -hmm. uh, 
rant. When the bat, when the let's I mean let's call it what it is, right? We don't lie. I was on my here. milk crate. I was on my milk crate, and I was telling the people. That's right. So, <laughs> when the batter is ahead, they hit three hundred seven with an OPS of eleven seventy, which is That's what I good. was looking at. Yeah, that's it was very what bad. I was looking at with him. Yep. And when the pitcher is ahead, he they hit 199 with an OPS of 505. So that's good, very good. Right? So that's what we know about Bubik. When he is in control, he's a good pitcher. When he is not, he's basically the anti-Greg Maddox. I think that is what we know. I don't like the idea of him being the opposite of greatness. I'd like to I, think I of him as but a Robbie Ray right comparable. If he sorts it out. Okay. Hey, hey, that's the old Tommy boy. I can take a crap in the box and put a label on it. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and market, what's the, yeah, I could take, like, I could take a dump in a box and market guaranteed. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> People yeah. Will buy it or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But the joke lands either way. So we win. Yeah. We uh... nailed it. The combo of us just boom. <laughs> Everybody now knows. Chris Bubik is both not, he's the opposite of Greg Maddox um, from one and he's crap in a box. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and he's guaranteed <laughs> crap in a box, but also he's a top 50 um, SP for me. And I think that we've got the potential here for greatness. And honestly, Ty, honestly, I feel like Salvador Perez's offensive outburst last year or continued success from 2020 into 2021 did affect his ability to catch. I honestly do. They talk a lot about the opposite side of it with catchers, right? They don't do as good a job um, batting because they're concentrating so hard on the pitching staff. I kind of wonder if Salvi was like, uh, I'm just going to auto, you know, what's it? Uh, auto well, uh, draft, auto yeah. catch. He's going to yeah, auto but, catch. He's not going to put the work in. And then he's going to concentrate on the at-bats. Salvi's you know, a, a very, very good defensive catcher. But I, I do think that this is the year we see the transition DH first base for Salvi. I think we started to see it this year. Um, for obvious reasons, like if he's hitting 40, 50 home runs, like you don't want that behind the plate late in the career. That's just not a great option. See Victor right. Martinez. Um, but I, I like Bubik as a bit where, where I think he could be really underappreciated is I think he could be a spot start guy and, but at, at an ownership level, not as a waiver wire guy, like just a guy you have to be really selective about right. the starts and have to position. I think he could be sneaky elite if you're smart about your starts i think that's what bubik could be this season and maybe more beyond that so watch teams that have a lot of lefties or switch hitters that could yeah. stack the lineup early against them which might cause the exact thing i was talking about where he can't get into the third or can't get into the order a third time they'll pull him that's right which again that's going to heavily affect his ability to get quality starts for you and in points leagues quality starts with or without the win depending on how your league's kind of evolving with that stat um, could be huge, right? If quality starts are worth the same as wins, as I've heard people volley for uh, this offseason, uh, maybe you want to try to find somebody who can get quick outs, get into the sixth and through it, not get through the fifth and cross your fingers that they're, you know, teams up by one or two. Well, and one thing I would love to see uh, Savant, baseball Savant do is give me the data of pitches righty versus lefty. Uh, and if it's on there, I can't find it. But I would love to see like change up versus lefty, change up versus a righty. That mm. would be super valuable info um, for for our industry here. Um, but I I just can't seem to find it because that that could unlock how you decide on a on a Bubik start pattern, right? Mm -hmm. um, definitely. So uh, jumping ahead, the last guy in this section here 
Um, and this one's probably for me the, the furthest one that's off the board. And this is, I'll, I'll say this is one of my favorite pro tips, and I'm using the quotations for those of you listening on the podcast. Um, this is a guy that will appear to be not elite, but I actually think has elite upside, and that's Luis Frias in Arizona. 23-year-old. I have him ranked 140. His current ADP on fan tracks, um, and I'll have to look at his, his ADP on Fancy Pros here really quick. Uh, I'm trying to find it. I don't think he's on there. He is unlisted. Unlisted ADP. Uh, but this is a guy that I've watched for a long time out of Puerto Rico. Uh, he's 23, like I said. I have him 140, but I, I think he should be much higher. Um, and if you want to watch how good his curveball is, slider, curveball, they call it a slider. It sure as heck looks like a curveball. Uh, his first career strikeout, Google Luis Frias, first career strikeout on Google. You'll see against Jose Altuve, and Altuve swings at a ball that's about three feet off the plate um, because it's a very good pitch. Uh, the fastball is elite, upper 90s, closing in on 98, uh, average about 97. Uh, there, There's a very good pitcher here, uh, and a lot of people don't know about it, but the pro tip that I will share with you is the PCL. Drafting pitchers out of the PCL is a sneaky, sneaky play. Uh, and the reason for that is there's a traditional bump in batting average and home runs, which impacts ERA. So these guys get hidden a little bit because <coughs> he played in Amarillo and he played in Reno and his numbers were peaked just a little bit, but the stuff is decent. I think there's a real SP2 here, Robbie, like I, I, a real one. And, and I think there's an outside shot at ace potential. Uh, I'm not willing to say he is. I just think that if if there's some progressive development here, um, but I even have it in the notes here, Robbie, the floor for me is like elite back end reliever because the, the slider fastball combo is more than enough to be an effective reliever at the highest level. Um, but I do think there's a starter here. So he's not on a lot of boards. He's Arizona's 13 ranked prospect on MLB.com. So just to give you some context of where he fits into that conversation. So he's not on a lot of elite radars, but he should be. He should be on more. Um, and if you go way back, I think, Robbie, 2019, we covered Rule 5. I talked about Luis Frias uh, as a guy way back yep. then. So um, this is a guy that I'm, I'm excited about. And he goes sideways hat, Robbie, right? Oh, that's how really? I roll. Yeah, that's how I roll. I go a little <laughs> sideways hat. Uh, you just, over you just went. Over oh, of course. I'm always down for a little swag on the mound. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. So the, there are some starting options in different um, waves and different spots. And my final thing with Bubik is that he is the 116th pitcher off the board right now. And somewhere north of pick 300 uh, redraft depending on where you are so uh, value before we get here. into the relief before yeah. we get into the relievers Robbie like hit us up like hit us on Twitter at Robbie baseball one me at Turdy boss or at the podcast thingers pod let us know what you think of these guys like love love the pitcher episode uh these guys a couple guys I didn't know right uh that were a potential breakout guys tell us what you like um and, and if you're concerned with any of these guys as well and then we'll tell you where to shove it if we disagree. So, well, 
odds are we're we, gonna have a lot of time to discuss it so yeah <laughs> we love a little good twitter beef like bring like that's what we're we're asking for and we get a lot of twitter love and thank you guys for all that uh you know there's a couple special ones out there in our hearts but uh you know send us some more let's get into some beefs that's what i really want to see <laughs> let's get into some beefs great uh <laughs> speaking of twitter beefs from this was an older one from us from uh, a thief who was stealing a segment from us just found out that uh the athletic has now hired said person to uh run there for not run but right for the fantasy side and that. oh baby that is the athletic wasn't great in my opinion before but not getting better with that one anyway um if you know you know if you don't it don't matter so uh the bases are not loaded here let's talk about some relief pitchers tie and these are guys absolutely looking at the names that are going to be off radars and uh dynasty league very low value the odds of them being uh, rookie eligible, not sorry, not rookie eligible, of being available as a free agent on league minimum, if it's a contract league or late in drafts, is very, very high. But it only takes one other smart people in your league to muck it up and get ahead of you. So you need to do your work on some of these guys. Um, the first guy that I've got here is the 27-year-old righty Tyler Wells with Baltimore. Uh, he finished the year four, four, seven in save opportunities with a hold, but spent the entire season with the team. He was a rookie last year. Uh, he seemed to be the closer in September until a shoulder injury at the very end. I think it was like 25th, something like that. He went out and he was previously a starter in the twins organization, peaking at double a in 19. And then of course missed 2020, but good enough to come back or not come back good enough to be with Baltimore for 2021 um, four pitches, fastball slider, curveball changeup uh, plays well in relief form. He had 57 innings last year, 65 K's uh, whip of decimal nine, one, two nice. Um, he could see 40 save opportunities uh, with Baltimore. And now what I mean by that specifically, because saying 40 saves is crazy for Baltimore. Baltimore is not going to win games. 11 to two Baltimore when they do have the opportunity to win is probably going to be in three run or, or closer games 16 so, to five. No, <laughs> but as long as Baltimore, as we've talked about it can put runs up as long as the pitching staff can hold it to get to a guy like Wells, then the possibility is there that he could see 40 opportunities. Now it doesn't mean save specific things that where he's going to get them or blow them. It means that that's what Baltimore is going to possibly have this year. And I think he gets the majority of those. So we could see 40 plus or sorry, 30 plus. Um, and that could mean great things. And at the moment, Tyler Wells is not sought after at the moment. Tyler Wells is available in all dynasty leagues. And again, at the moment, Tyler Wells is completely off the radar, but as draft season approaches, as it, you know, as it continues in, people are going to start to look for somebody who they think has save opportunities Wells's name will begin to pop up and you're going to need to be a little bit early, I think, to this party, because, again, I think Baltimore is a team that's going to be somewhere in the 70 ish win range. And I could easily see half or more than half of those be save opportunity games as well. Well, and one of my favorite closer strategies, Robbie, is to get closers on bad teams, right? Because they have to be good. 
right? They have to be the exactly. games or the franchise is an absolute dumpster fire. So they, the bad teams almost always have bad or good closers. And it's such a, an interesting little dilemma. Um, and, and Baltimore has a series of success with uh, bad teams, right? And those guys have stuck around for good runs over the last little bit. But it's a phenomenal segue into my guy, uh, David Bednar, who is going to be the closer, 27-year-old in Pittsburgh, had a phenomenal season last year. Uh, 2.23 ERA, 60s, 60 innings pitched with 77 strikeouts in that stretch, um, and a .973 whip. Uh, and guess what? Had the tenth best, had the tenth best strand rate in the league as well, Robbie. So left runners on base at a at a clip that is elite as well. So lots to like here. Bednar is the real deal. He could be trade bait at some point this season. There was lots of rumors this off season that he could move. I think for the reasons I just mentioned, I think Pittsburgh will hold on to him because of the rebuilding, and and I don't think they want to give up just yet. Could be traded this time next year, but. Uh, I think for now he's a, he's a bucko, and and for me, I, I really like Bednar as a, as a guy that you can get just a touch later ADPs two eighty one, so much later than what the elite front end guys are gonna get in the closer category, but probably equivalent upside, right? The K rate's good, ERA's good, uh, you know the save opportunities might be lesser, but he's just gonna have to close on them. Yeah, and I will say this, Ty, there there is an absolute. Uh, massive variance in closer value uh, in the TGFBI league that I'm currently drafting in right now, a closer Liam Hendricks went in the top was it 30 and I'm, I'm positive. He went in the second round. I was like, wait a second. That had to have been a mistake or something. Like why would somebody take him that early? And then I believe a closer went again in the next round. And, and it's not, it wasn't Diaz with the Mets, which would be the one that I would think because you just, you know, look at the fact that you've got, Scherzer and um, DeGrom and you're like, well, they'll just go eight innings, you know, twice a week. And then you could pick pick up 50 plus save opportunities just from those two guys alone. And that's with them still not having five good starts each. So, you know, opportunity abounds um, even on the crappy teams, which again, I, I this this next one for me is not crappy team, but we we've got a lot of questions with the Yankees here. Uh, we know the closer is Aroldis Chapman, and that's it's the easiest profile you can say on a closer. You either like Chapman and think he's just going to do what he's been doing, or you're out. And if you're out, you're probably not doing very well in your leagues. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. 102 is going to get people out, and even in a bad yeah. season, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. It's just that people are like, hey, he's 34, and you know, they, they try to build a reason in. But what I'm, yeah. what I'm doing Julie here is... Julie throws 95, I'm, I'm still going to buy Chapman. It's that simple. Yeah, and I mean, at 95, he can still be crafty if he, if he decides he wants to be. But um, what I'm doing here is I'm going next man up. So this is definitely more of a points league move, absolutely, than it is like the closer for the Yankees because we know the closer's Chapman. But it's Clay Holmes, 29-year-old righty. Uh, Ty's note here is it's like buying Zach Britton in 2013. Um, there's also a Zach Britton who's part of the Blue Jays organization now who's I think is a hitter. And... Um, that's fun. So anyway, one seven three ERA, decimal eight one whip, and thirty two Ks, uh, seventy eight. Oh, sorry, thirty two Ks with the Yankees. Sorry, seventy eight Ks for the year in seventy innings. Uh, he had three walks after his trade from the Yankees. I should have started all that over again, but we don't edit. So twenty six innings pitched as a Yankee after his trade. 
32 Ks. For the year, he had 78 Ks in 70 innings. Boom, nailed it. Um, he also had five wins, six holds as a Yankee, 11 holds on the year. But what I see is an incredible ground ball rate, 68.7%. Um, if, if he, you know, gets to do what he's been doing, which is, you know, like a seventh, eighth inning role, he's going to be in save positions. He's going to, sorry, he's going to be in hold positions, save hold positions for your leagues. Um, he could be like, oh my God, who was the old man that was with the Jays when Asuna, really? thank you. Um, he had like 28 holds or something like that the year that he was with the Jays. Clay Holmes could be a 25 plus hold guy with the Yankees. The, um, the one thing I don't get is how Clay Holmes was so bad before he got to the Yankees. Right. What did like, they do? Right. And is that just pitch selection or is that locate like uh location? But if, but if you just look like his stuff's filthy, like he's mm -hmm. so good. Right. And this is why I made the note about the Zach Britton breakout. Right. We all remember the story of Zach Britton, Baltimore savior, ace guy. And he just took a while to figure out that he was just a good reliever. Right. Well, Clay Holmes is a good reliever. Uh, his stuff's really good. It's really heavy. Uh, ground ball rate's going to be good, but the strikeout rate's going to go there with it, which you don't always see with those guys that pound the bottom of the zone. Generally, they give up some line drives and some home runs, but, um, you know, I th I think there's a really, really good closer here. Uh, I don't know that he's going to get that shot in New York, but I, I set up, man. If you're in a holds league, by all guys, like this is a guy you need to own. Yeah, like he is definitely in line to be a top five hold guy for the year. And that's yeah. where you're going to find yourself, especially with the strikeout rate. Like I just said, you're going to find yourself with a guy who nobody thinks about today, but come, you know, game 40 of the year, he's averaging, you know, seven points per appearance. And that's going to put him right up there in company. If your league values um, holds in between three and five points, obviously that's going to vary in strikeouts one to three points. So that's going to vary but you're going to get a guy who's doing everything for you. And of course, if there is an injury in New York, all of a sudden your elite setup guy becomes a closer who can then have 20 plus save holds or whatever happens during the year. Now the left on or base even Chapman struggles, right? Like Chapman could struggle. We saw hints of that last season. Like it could happen. Okay. Now what I wanted to say, Ty is, is you talked about it with the previous guy His left on base percentage is something that um, he needs a little bit of work on. Now that might be, the result of guys on second, third, as opposed to first. I don't know that detail specifically. Um, but again, if you come in to a clean inning because you're in a specific role within the team, that's a heck of a lot easier to deal with than when you oh. are the one who uh, just comes in and somebody's already on second. Big note on that one, though, right? You got a guy with Holmes with his heavy sinker, right? Guys like that are right. always going to have a higher LOB percentage because there's more balls it's hard play. to catch and when you have gary sanchez as a catcher that's also going well, to just but but good lob guys are always going to be strikeout guys right so anytime you have a sinker guy that's more of a ground ball rate like you mentioned 69 percent nice um that is the kind of guy that's gonna maybe be an alarming stat that's not really alarming to your point clean innings are where you want to see clay holmes all day every day yeah, and last year, the points per game were 2.5, so super deceiving for anybody who's just checking, clicking, not putting in the work as we just did yeah. on him. Who's your next boy? Yeah, I'm going to go with Luke Jackson here. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, I think was supposed to be an elite starter coming through the, the Texas system and, you know, ended up in Atlanta. I forget what the trade was. He might have been the one that sent Kobe Allard the other way. 
I don't remember what that trade is, Robbie. I don't know if you can pull that one up or not. I'm going to look. Last year, the slider became an elite out pitch. Um, the fastball curveball are still concerning. Um, the batting average in, in slug against both of those pitches are still not where you want them to be. Overall, reasonable outcome. The ERA was was well in setup man territory, what you want to see. The strikeout rate was good. The slider, The slider is a very good pitch. I want to see improvement on the fastball, most importantly, this season. Um, and with just a subtle improvement on the curveball, just a little bit of a change there, I think Luke Jackson Jackson could profile as a closer. Like, that's real real life. That could happen. Um, and, I, and I think if he can improve on that fastball just a little bit, I think we're going to see a better ground ball rate, which is one of the things that I, I think Luke Jackson uh, have so, has some inconsistencies with is just giving up some fly balls and therefore a little bit of a peak in OPS. I'd like to see a subtle improvement in that. And I think that comes with the fastball command. So that's what I'm looking for. I, I think the floor is, is good on Luke Jackson. I don't think he's going to be bad, but I, I want to see a couple steps forward for him to be closer profile. And he's still fairly reasonably young that he could evolve into that. So um, like Bednar, I like Luke Jackson as a guy that's going to progress this season. And that's what I'm into. December 8th, 2016, Luke Jackson went from Texas to the Braves um, and he tweeted it, which is how I found it. But then when I went further, it was for prospect Tyrell Jenkins, who had originally mm -hmm. come from a November 2014 trade with uh, Shelby Miller uh, that sent Jason Hayward to the Cardinals. So boom goes the dynamite and also Brady Fiegel, who was a reliever. So Jackson was 25 at the time. So he's now what? Do you remember 30, how good those 31? elite prospects became, Robbie? Uh, you know, fun fact, they didn't. And that's one <laughs> of the reasons why you can go for sure bets, uh, even if it's relief pitchers, but guys that you believe in a little more. So, <clears throat> and Jackson, I think it was 19, had his period of time where he was getting saves with Atlanta and everyone's like, he's not supposed to should do this. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, just fell not out of favor, but just fell back in the depth within Atlanta. And I, I like the idea of somebody like this being able to, as a wily veteran, make the move, you know, you know what he is? He, he's the Ronaldo Lopez of the bullpen. That's what he is. It's like, if he can what spot that up that mean? fast, if he can spot up the fastball, he can be great. Okay. And, and that's it. Like, that's really what it comes down to because, the other stuff's not bad here. Um, and, and again, I think people don't really recognize, like he had a 1.98 ERA last year. Did, would you have known that? Under right? the radar. Like, yeah, no, yeah. no, definitely not. What were his innings last year, Ty? 63. And oh, okay. uh, he struck Jeez. out 70 in that stretch. So Beautiful. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, pretty good. I mean, Atlanta's bullpen was sneaky good in the playoffs. Like The bigger the big reason why they won. The bigger your league there, Ty, the better Luke Jackson becomes 100%. without the save closability. And you add yeah. that in, great little caveats for it. So uh, my next guy up here is, this is a conversation here that we're going to have to have on this one. Brooks <laughs> Rayleigh, 33-year-old lefty. And right now I understand, you're like, wait, who? Um, Rayleigh signed with Tampa Bay, a multi-year contract. I think he's their highest paid player. He's making $780,000 this year. I'm kidding. Uh, it's a couple mil, but <clears throat> anyway, he gets strikeouts. He had 65 and 49 innings pitched for Houston last year. 
and then became a free agent. Houston not willing to pay the Piper, but Tampa was okay. Sure. Um, yeah, but it's if, a reliever. That's the most important person on the Tampa, <laughs> on Tampa Bay. Bay yeah. <laughs> and and that, to my point, if if Tampa Bay is going to give a multi-year contract, they must have a plan for him. And why wouldn't it be high leverage? And why not late in games? There's no reason why there wouldn't be. So would he, Robbie, would he be I just I, yeah. I have to throw this at you just because I just control F for the record. Yeah. Um Brooks Raley. What number off the board do you think Brooks Raley is as a reliever? Oh, I can't imagine he's on a board. I think he's, he's on only it. on the dingers board. He's uh, on it. And, for and you'll love or relievers. You will, and you will love who is directly behind him on this one. Interesting. Uh, is he's triple digits, I guess, for a yep. reliever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one, let's just say 111 because I like 11. So 111th. He's 152. And let me just read to you the order here because the order sure. is insane and backwards and incorrect. Um, so shame on fancy owners that contributed to this ADP. Robert Stevenson in Colorado. What are you doing? Wow. Um, JB Wendelkin. Um, not your investment firm. That's your yeah. you are that's, that's your, your Oakland reliever. Yeah. Uh Arizona. Um oh, is it Arizona? It is correct. I don't know who oh, you're thinking, moves. but it's not JD JB Wendelkin. Um, anyway, Brooks Rayleigh at 152, and this is where it gets kind of funny to me. Mm-hmm. 153, Clay Holmes. One oh, wow. 54, Justice Sheffield. Yikes. And then 155, and this one to me is the most egregious one in this group, being this far back. Tim Mesa. Wow. Yeah. Like that's okay. a sh- like Tim Mesa sleeper alert. What are you <laughs> Tim, doing? Yeah. Tim Mesa <laughs> like, in, in yeah, in this range, I would say, yeah, especially knowing what was like, up with Toronto last year. Tim Mesa uh, should be top fifty. Like, like if you've not if you don't think that about Tim Mesa, you haven't watched Tim Mesa pitch. Like, I'm sorry. Okay, so we're on Brooks Raley, Ty. I need to finish I this Sorry. Point here. Sorry, I hijacked it. My bad. Yeah. Could could he be a five out guy? Yes, absolutely. And a points league leader for RPs in points per game is possible. So that's points per game, right? Just so we all know. So that could be seven, nine points. Now that's if they give him five outs. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's possible. Nine of his last 10 games in Houston, he had one or more points, which I'm saying that as a fact because he was not blowing things up and having minuses. So one or more, that's great. But they weren't using him in high leverage situations. And when you're not doing that with a guy headed into the playoffs, that means you don't want to give him the ball with the game on the line, whether it's in the sixth or later. And Tampa Bay, obviously, we know with Drew Rasmussen as recently as last year, taking a guy, turning him into what they believe is his peak and it looks like drew rasmussen and now the industry is caught up uh the moment it happened we talked about it you know basically went through two or three different episodes last year discussing the fact that this was a great thing and um the story of how rasmussen was supposed to be a ray never happened they got around to it brooks Rayleigh may have a story behind the scenes about that same thing um considering tampa bay went with the multi-year route but i would say if he's that far back um, you can wait on him posting him in your free agency or you know, auction leagues, whatever it is. And we know one thing for sure, Ty, with Tampa Bay, there will be no guy who gets 40 saves. But with what Tampa Bay could do is they could say, uh, you know, Fairbanks has this um, when it's a lefty heavy lineup 
And if it's righties coming up, it's going to be Rayleigh. And um, we've got, you know, the rest, the rest of our bullpen is going to mix and match around. So there could be kind of like an eighth and a ninth inning option for the team where they decide to do one or the other. And if they don't, they just go straight high leverage. He could still be a save hold consideration guy, but either way, I really like the ability for Brooks Riley specifically in points leagues, but also the outside shot in five by five that he could be a top 30 RP. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, this is a guy that I love. And I said that to you before we jumped on tonight. Um, I share your Brooks Riley love. I'm just going to hit the baseball savant stats really quickly, just because people need to know this to your point earlier about a guy that isn't on radars. Average exit velocity percentile, 100th. Hard hit rate, 100th. K rate, 92. Whiff rate, 87. Fastball spin, 92. Curveball spin, 95. Okay? You tell me if it's an anomaly that this is a guy that rolled out a 4.78 ERA last season. Like, that. these are the things, people, that, like, advanced analytics and, and – the deeper stats actually can help you on, right? If if you're a guy that's like, hey, CSW is the only thing that matters or OPS plus is the only thing that matters, you're going to get lost in that. But if you can recognize there's a lot of red things here, he just went to a team with A, and most importantly for a pitcher, a good defense and a team that is notorious for gaming defense. This is an absolute win opportunity with Brooks Raley. So he is going to... If you're in a holds format, like I, I know you said you don't like it in a points, Robbie. No, no, no. I do like him in points. I sorry. do like him in points. Yeah. Any any format that has holds, any format, Brooks Raley's a must own because yeah. he's going to get a bundle of them in Tampa Bay. So what are you thinking in our home league draft then, Ty? Because I know it's it's a few weeks First away. First overall. But, oh, really? And that's mainly just to see if I can goat Chad into taking him. <laughs> so so your thought is to just start to hype him up amongst our group chat please don't yeah. um but then that that probably means that glenn will take him way too early and then just trade him <laughs> to his brother who is our defending champion and that's why he's the defending well, champion because there's no collusion but it's just the brothers seem to have trades that don't make sense isn't fantasy well, fun hopefully they are the best here's something really quick robbie like what brooks Raley has is a really interesting split like his ground ball fly ball line drive ratios are 47 percent ground ball which is above average right that's mm -hmm. a that's a reasonable number uh fast or mm -hmm. um fly ball is 22 percent and the line drives 24 okay so mm -hmm. the line drive percentage that's is the one that yeah, that, yeah the 24 percent is the one that is concerning it's the one that a good defense will help uh, Houston doesn't have the best outfield defense in the world with Brantley, Jordan Alvarez. Like, there's not a ton of great defense going on in that outfield, especially after they traded Straw. Um, so, wow, Jose Siri is going to win everything. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's an MVP. But, you know, <laughs> the reality is, like, there's room for improvement. Tampa Bay, especially with Kiermaier, who is by far the best statistical center fielder in the game of baseball. Right. It's not even close. Um, so the assumption is that should help these numbers, but just to bring it all home here, Robbie, in this long winded rant here, cutter 304 batting average against it, uh, sinker 346 average against it. So when you put those two pitches, which are tra traditional ground ball pitches into Tampa Bay's system, 
This is this these are the things that Tampa Bay does better than anybody else. They look at those two things and they say, I know our defense can stop those two pitches. And I guarantee you, I, w- I will put a giant stamp of approval that you will see a great improvement in the batting average against both the cutter and the sinker this season in Tampa Bay. And so that's the take home that I will have on Brooks Raley. I got to say at the end of this Brooks Raley discussion, I feel like I'm not going to get to have him in some of our leagues where we're both in it because you are, you are going to take that away from me. Um, But hopefully the listeners also understand what value can be had here. And the difference in my opinion, as a person who is very good in points leagues, tooting my own horn here, two time runner up in a 30 team points league. Mm -hmm. uh, Fact, He's very good at them for any, if any, like legit, if anyone has questions about points league, Robbie is your guy. I, I love it because there's a lot of math that you can do very, very basic math to be a 500 player in a large points league without having legitimate MLB all-stars, but they can, you can get the next wave of all-stars. Anyway, um, my bullpen the last two years has been made up of absolute garbage minimum players who are not actually garbage, but they are players that have a very low ownership, always single digits by mid-May, and then as the year goes on. But I, by that point in time, I've already picked up on what's going down with these guys. Or to Ty's talking about spring training stats from years past, um, you look at what the teams are doing with these guys and you make a couple decisions on them. But I don't invest heavily in relief pitchers in points leagues. I used to. I, in 2018, I was all over it, and I made the switch from 18 to 19 And then I've gone forward with basically a bargain bin approach. And it's allowed me, especially in auction leagues, um, it's allowed me to put my money elsewhere. And I've not suffered one bit in points leagues because I don't have a rule Chapman. Instead, I pick up um, uh, Octavio Dotel for a period of time. Gross. Well, I don't know. Really I'm trying to. <laughs> no, what's, I'm trying. I'm just trying to think. I, eventually, it was like I, you know, you you have Jordan Romano kicking around because he's not a valuable prospect, but you think he could be somebody. So you draft him. You draft a Nick Birdie, who was once with Pittsburgh, now with San Diego, because you think maybe he could be a guy. But you don't go and spend fifteen million or or say eight eight percent of your um your budget on an elite closer unless you're only counting saves for points. If it's points what? leagues. There's ways to do it. I'm trying to think of the guy. Who's the guy who signed no, a two-year but, but deal? Just time out really quick. Like that was a really good glimpse into Robbie's brain when you're like, "Who's a good reliever?" Octavio. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> who's a good reliever that nobody likes? Like and that wasn't even like there was a delay of yeah. thought. That was just like, you know what, Octavio Dotel. That's the guy. He's a yeah from from previous times. But if there's uh, no there knock was... on Dotel, Dotel was a very reasonable <laughs> relief pitcher for the majority of his career. But, but there was not a, a guy not a top of mind guy. That's all. No, 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 no. But there was a guy Toronto had in 19 and 20. I think it was 19 and 20 who in spring training started to get, he we came over Dotel. from the KBO. Was it Dotel? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank no, you. no, no you, it was before. Octavio about... Dotel was before, but it was a guy yeah. that came back from the KBO and got a two-year deal with Toronto and then yeah. faded down the stretch of his second year. But that's the only reason that I brought but him. But he was there last year. He had all the control issues. What is his name? Right. So it was 2019 where he – sorry, 2020 where he came in and the Jays were giving him eighth inning spots towards the end of spring training. And they're like, this is – he's playing really well. He's doing good things. And by doing though that bit of work, you find him no different than with Seattle. And, you know, you just put in that work. Like I can very quickly look at – um, 
a relief pitcher lineup from my 2021 uh, runner-up. I love that I have to say runner-up because I didn't win. Um, but a 2021 team that I had that went to the World Series. It was the second year that we'd done it within our league. And Rafael Dolis was the guy you were Dolis, Dotel. I would say Dotel also. But yes, Dolis. Thank you, Ty. Um, yeah, I went into my... Uh, here, sorry, I'm just actually looking at the actual World Series lineup that I put in. So my relief pitchers, and I understand that this doesn't sound great, but Gerald Cotton, uh, <laughs> Garrett Crochet, Adam Ottavino, Jordan Romano, and Paul Seawald. Those were my consistent, and I say consistent, those were my RPs. Seawald had 13 points in a two-week period. But then I also had, of course, I, I again, I lost. I did not win that. Um, I had struggles with within that team. But the whole the whole point, the whole reason to the story is just the fact that you don't need to invest heavily if you go and look for the next guys and you go and look no. for somebody who might be able to help you where you don't think you can get help at this moment. Like Gerald Cotton finished last year with 80 points and uh, it was finishing the year. I think he finished with Texas. He's with Minnesota now, I believe. Um, but he finished with Texas and he was getting, you know, the last week of September here, sorry, the last part of September, he had seven points on September 11th, five points on the 14th, nine points on the 17th, six points on the 20th. And then he had a one point outing. And then on the 26th, he had eight. That's all useful. That's all useful yeah. to fantasy owners. And it's league minimum or a waiver wire pickup at the end of the year. And that gets you across the threshold. And that's a way that I prefer to manage a bullpen where I'm active. Now, if you don't like looking, if you just want like a sure thing, then you're a Chapman owner. That's how it works. But every Chapman owner ends up having uh Brad hand happen to you. But and this is also Brad why you're, happens, really, you're out. But this is really why you're good at Poizzo is because you focus on that strategy and it's, it's a safer bet. So it's consistent. And we talked about this at the beginning of last week, right? When we ranted a little bit, like we talked about, the value of consistency in fantasy baseball being important, right? It's not a nothing. It's not irrelevant. And a lot of people put that to the side. They're like, I want the highest upside guy. Well, listen, right. high upside is great. But if you want to be a champion repeatably, you need <clears> consistency. <throat> so I'm going to pause there, Robbie, because this this search for Raphael Delise sent me down <laughs> a really fascinating path. Um, and it's just the 2020 <laughs> Blue Jays roster, right? Which is here. So I just I got onto the are you offensive side. Are you about to homer out? No, I'm not. But it, but okay. because the, the first one I'm gonna start with is a Milwaukee Brewer, uh, which we talked about last week. And and for our loyal listeners, this is why I talk about this stuff. Like 2020 for Rowdy Talese, 283, 886 OPS. Right? So, are you gonna homer out? No, no, I'm not. So Rowdy Talese, because he's been no. Milwaukee. It doesn't count. 100 it doesn't if count. you say billy mckinney i am ending this podcast. no no i got a better one i'm gonna, I'm gonna trump that in a second <laughs> oh no but so so those of you that were surprised by tiosca hernandez last season you weren't paying attention because the 2020 289 919 numbers from tiosker should have told you what we've said and and robbie you've seen this in the dingers account um where i commented on tiosker's projection for this year Tiosker's turned into a real hitter uh he's not just a, a power guy anymore which is what a lot of people profiled him as like this kid can hit he learned how to be go oppo he's he went to the school of vlad guerrero jr um and he's taking what the pitchers give him but the the real reason i set this all up and you mentioned billy mckinney with 
which cued it so much better. I will say, I'll give you three guesses to guess who had an OPS of 811 in that 2020 season. In 2020? Yep. Oh, like a Blue Jay that had an 811 OPS. Correct. Kevin Biggio. Incorrect. 807. So close. Good guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, Grichuk. No. No. 793. Yeah, I was going to say he was, he's been under eight for two years or at least two years. Uh, let's see. 2020 Blue Jay. I'm assuming they're not on the Jays anymore. I um, cannot confirm or deny. Oh, you would. Last guess, though. Let's see. Do I have a bobblehead of this player? No. <laughs> no. Oh, you know what? I don't, I honestly don't know. And I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, who was playing third. I'll, I'll give you a clue because it makes it more fun. Sure. This, this is the only player on the Blue Jays roster that was hit in the eye by a fly ball. <laughs> oh, man. Derek Fisher. 100% Derek Fisher. Oh, in I forgot about that. And now Fisher doesn't have a home, right? He's no, Milwaukee he's in Milwaukee, like yeah. every other Blue Jay uh, outcast. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And, and so for Derek and Derek Fisher didn't have a full season, just so everyone's aware of that. Cause I, I we also talked about in a previous episode the total number of players that had an X amount of at bats that had an OPS over 800, and how it's like lower and it's getting lower and lower and lower. Three true outcome baseball, blah, blah, blah. Um, in your drafting cycle, something that I just wanted to quickly mention because you still have a relief pitcher to talk about. Like, talk about holding out for this. And this is going to be a disappointing it's one. It's a for good everybody. one, too. No, it's a good one. Well, disappointing that it's not. Um, some type of like going to be, well, I don't know. Maybe you tell, you'll have to tell us if you think he's going to be a closer, but um, the, the fun and games of knowing what your league did the year before, what did the guy who won what, or not the guy, what was the top in every one of your categories? You're playing five by five. What was the n- top number of saves? What were the top stolen bases? What were the top home runs, RBIs, runs, average uh, ERA, whip, what, who had the highest of those? And what was the number? Write that down and then write down, especially if you're Roto, write down who was fifth. And then when you're drafting, you need to try to do your projections to figure out who you think you can draft that will eventually get your roster, your starting roster to be between first and fifth. Now you can of course be better than first because in my TGFBI tie, I don't, I don't know why I can't explain it. I have drafted as if stolen bases is worth three categories because (laughs) I've taken, I took Mike Trout in the first round because he fell to me at 13th. And how do you not take Mike Trout at 13th? I know at 13. Gross. Yeah, and it's five by five. So I took him at thirteen. And he, and and like, he was awful go. last season. Like all he's gonna oh, do no, is sixty good. home runs. Four categories. Mike Trout is a four category guy. Stolen bases, no, and that's fine. That's so my highway second pick, robbery at thirteen. I took. I reached and took Starling Marte because I wanted a lot of stolen bases, and I knew that Marte's floor, as far as a five category guy, is high. So I was good with that. And can then can I just tied. know, just so that yeah. I can use this against you in other drafts, who yeah. were you thinking about instead of Marte? Uh, him or Luis Robert. Okay. Those are the only two. And I went with Marte for stolen bases solely. Um, And then the next round up, I just threw caution to the wind and I went with Alberto Mondesi. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to play my steals building strategy. And the reason that I decided to do that was I went with those three guys. So two outfielders and a third base. I don't think he'll be shortstop, but maybe Mondesi shortstop, whatever. Um, and I thought it was important. carry the eligibility, though. Well, it, 
I'm not sure how they'll do it on FPC. I, I didn't actually look. I just knew for sure I had a third baseman, which was the primary reason to take him at that point in time. A 20-plus yep. home run guy, 30-plus stolen base guy. The average is obviously something I need to be aware of. But in my league, and the reason I did this, um, a 265 average was first in my 15-team, or in TGFBI, my 15-team league last year. 131 stolen bases was first. And I, or maybe that was wins, whatever it was, 109 stolen bases was fifth. And that was what I was kind of aiming at. Make sure I'm going to be above fifth. So, and I'm estimating not the max I'm estimating reasonable things, but I went with Monacy because you were telling me on the previous episode, you think there's top five performance. And I started to really look into it. And I thought, you know what? There is, because if he's healthy, they're not going to bench him. He's going to play his worst case scenario is DH and they're not going to DH him when they've got Santana hanging out and they've got Dozier. They've got guys who he's going to play. He's going to be in the field. He's going to be an important part of Kansas city. Boom. I took he's, him. I took him. Yep. He's going to have three positions by the end of the year. No it's, questions. He's going to play possible. all three left side. No questions. It, um, And, and the thing is with my stolen base strategy here is that I said, I'm just going to do it. And I took Robbie Ray with the next pick, which was 48th. I think I took Mondesi 43rd and I thought, okay, next, next round up here. If Cedric Mullins falls back, this is a terrible thing to happen to take three outfielders this early, but I'm going to do it. Cause I think it's five outfielder league. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Mullins. Well, he was nabbed. And then the other two pitchers I was originally thinking were both gone. So I was like, you know what? Jazz Chisholm is second base <laughs> shortstop. And that guy is going to steal 25 plus bags. So Boom, got Chisholm, and then I backed that up by taking Dylan C. So I've now got four guys that I love. Three of them are serious stolen base threats, and the other is Mike Trout. How do you not love that offense that early? And then the two pitchers I've got, love or hate Robbie Ray, I believe, I'm, I'm choosing to believe the good things about Robbie Ray. Dylan Cease, good team, um, high Ks. I, I feel really good about those two guys. Now it's, you know, obviously, because I believe in my ability to um, collect assets further on the deeper we go into the draft. That's where I have to really put in my work, but I love how things started out for me. And it's not what I originally thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to go trout who doesn't steal Marte who does, and then just kind of pick and choose. I was planning on going two pitchers, uh, right after, but when I saw Mondesi and thought you don't win leagues by being conservative, from the high position you have to go with however many categories you can cover with elite and Mondesi was the top fantasy player in September 2020 let's just assume he's not gonna have two crappy years or two health ridden years and uh, I'm doing it so I did I will I will keep it up to date on RobbieBaseball.com I actually put my first 10 rounds what I wanted to do on it and I said I would update it as I did so I updated to the end of round six um, which is where we drafted tonight. Now I am in this with some big boys like uh, Frank Stamp from CBS podcast. And I apologize for not having the rest of the names. I know Maddie Wood is in it as well. But um, this this is going to be a very interesting trial for me, building through stolen bases. Not something I was comfortable doing. I've always liked having stolen base guys, but I'm actually trying to build through that category and then ensure as I go on, the Hunter Renfros of the league also end up on my team. So, I just can't wait to rip on you when you're it's another episode bias creeps into our home league. The funny part, Ty, the funny part is that I'm like, I can't do this in our home league because we are eight by eight and it, it will sink me too much. But I, that's what I'm saying. When you draft all these guys, I'm going to make fun of you because it's <laughs> going to happen. 
<laughs> well, it was brought to my attention in a league where somebody said, you know what I what I should do? They were saying me, um, because they knew I was in TGFBI. They said, you should do one of the leagues that lots of the guys do where it's beat beat the pro, beat beat Robbie Baseball, and go into like a 15-team or a 12-team or something like that and draft it, which I thought would be kind of fun to do that. It was like a $50 league, and then you could invite listeners in or, or people in who are like, I can take you out. If I openly said I'm going to do a stolen base strategy in five by five, and then we started the draft, I just couldn't do it. I would have to just punt stolen yeah, bases. That'd be the everybody greatest sandbag. That's the exactly sandbag of all time. I'm going to tell everybody. Or I'm rolling into that league and make listen. Me versus Robbie. Whoever eats the steak wins. Eats the steak. What do you mean? You don't eat steak. Oh, because I'm a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. I won't I win automatically. Auto- uh, automatically, auto, auto. That's a two-team league. That's a head-to-head. Yeah. Anyway, that's off-topic. But okay, let's go back to this. We'll have to do a um, maybe redraft draft strategy for fun. Yeah, but, but you you missed you missed it. I set this up because I was trying to okay. get you off of your milk carton. Um, <laughs> it's perfect segue. Perfect segue <laughs> into young reliever. Which for those of you that are not back like backfield baseball people, young p- baseball players are known as meat. So Jorge Alcala wow. oh my is God. the guy. What a workaround. So that's, a, that's a segue. You got to work for it sometimes. <laughs> you <gotta> so, work. <laughs> so Jorge Alcala is the guy that I've liked for a long time. And, it, and these are the guys that, and, and I mentioned it with Luis Frias earlier. These are the kind of guys that if you don't visually see their stuff, and, and some people, you know, whether you're a, a statistical nerd or you just like fantasy baseball because it's fun, like there's certain components of fantasy baseball that if you don't have baseball knowledge, if you're not an experienced coach or you don't have biomechanical understandings, like you can miss this stuff really easily. And this is where the elite guys take advantage of some of the amateurs, right? Like, quite frankly, because they, they have a balance between the two things. And so Jorge Alcala fits into that category. I've known this guy for years. Because I've seen the upside for a long time. And I own him in pretty much every league that I'm in because nobody else really knows about this guy. So the big thing we saw last year was a real strong improvement in the whip. And so if you go back and you find anything that's written about Jorge Alcala anywhere, it's going to talk about the walks. And it's going to talk about that as a real concern and for good reason. Like there's no reason to to not have that. Um, But... His MLB career ERA is 3.48. He has 89 strikeouts in in, uh, 85 innings. And the whip has come down significantly. It was sub one last year, Robbie, which I know you love, 0.97. Yeah, beautiful. This guy, yeah, this guy can get it done. And guess what? He touches almost 100. And how many guys that touch 100 are at the tip of your tongue? Like almost everybody that's talking relievers, Robbie knows guys that can throw 100 like there's very few guys out there anywhere that are unknown but Jorge Alcala fits into that category and guess what exit velo 84 percentile chase rate and I love this one 96th percentile so that's an automatic like and I'll go back right for that's our deceitful older fans. right like yeah, he is go, deceitful I mean 100 percent. but I'll go back for our older fans that are familiar with uh an old movie called Wayne's World um swing <laughs> an old uh, movie. <laughs> i think i have the vhs somewhere in here Ty. 
that that was mainly for for uh, one listener that has a a movie podcast. That's for you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, for that listener who I just happened to be last night, he's got a new soundbite for uh, "Stand Up and Shout" right there, Rockstar. Uh, yeah, I just randomly found it last night, put it on. Uh, no, I don't have Wayne's World. Uh, we we, we need to have. Um, we need to have a Mr. McBride back on. Yeah. You know what I do have, though, Ty? Since we're still just off topic. Not one Tommy boy, but I got two. They're separate. What, two how, Tommy does that boys. how does that even make sense? One Is one was, DVD and one's Blu-ray? No, I don't have Blu-ray. I didn't. I stopped at DVD. Why would you improve upon perfection? One was my copy. One was one that I sent to my then um, ex-girlfriend, now wife of 12 plus years so thank you ex-girlfriend now wife (laughs) that's that's not for this podcast uh talk about comebacks uh i (laughs) i can tell you how i got that girl back but anyway Uh, uh, yeah your wife is not not kim kardashian no sorry um (laughs) so we covered let's let's uh we went way off we were actually doing really well for time and we absolutely screwed it up but I mean, let's just quickly yeah. say this real quick, Ty. Can uh, I finish one last thing yeah, on Alcala? Finish Alcala, one, I'll recap. Yeah, yeah. The thing that to me is is the breakout component mm-hmm. here is that the walk rate, which was a concern all the way through the minors, in the upper minors especially, the walk rate last season at the major league level with 59 appearances and 59.2 innings pitch was in the 86th percentile. To me, all the stuff's there. This this suggests not just breakout, but elite closer breakout. That's what I'm seeing here. This is Minnesota's replacement for Mr. Rogers. All right. So we believe both Alex Wood and Alec Manoa can take next steps and be big point-per-game guys, 21-plus points per game. We could see Rosny Contreras with Pittsburgh, Luis Garcia with Houston, Luis Patino with Tampa Bay and Dakota Hudson with St. Louis, all taking steps and being 16 point per game type players next year. We can see Jesus Lazardo, Chris Bubik. You got to squint a little bit for Bubik apparently, but Luis Fries of Arizona and Christian Javier with Houston, all being in the 50 to 75 SP ranking at season's end. And for relief pitchers, We are looking hard to find some diamonds, and we think Tyler Wells of Baltimore, Clay Holmes with the Yankees, Brooks Raley with Tampa Bay, David Bednar with Pittsburgh, Luke Jackson with Atlanta, and Jorge Alcala with Minnesota can all make your teams better for 2022. That's it. Love it. Yeah, I love it. These are great finds, guys. And, And if you're listening here, show us some love. Hit us up. I want to know if you guys actually took the chance on some of these guys. Um, and if you've taken guys in the past, let let us retweet you. Let us put you out in the universe and tell everyone how awesome you are because you followed suit. And smart we want to people you guys. unite. Yeah, that's right. That's we we can start that hashtag. Smart people unite. I love it. Hit us up here at Dingers Pod. But until next time, it's Robbie and Tyler here on Dingers. <laughs>